Praise God. Thank you so much. That was great. Uh, we just love it when the children are part of it with us, and so thank you. I, uh, in the first service, there was a, a, a little girl sitting right behind me, and it went dark, and she said, Why is it going dark, Mommy? And she goes, Oh, there's Uncle Sanzo. It was very cool. It's lovely to have the kids, and great to have you. Very, very, very Merry Christmas to you, and uh, it's just a delight to have you joining us. Every year, Gallup does a poll on the U.S. mental health rating, and they ask people to rate themselves. And uh, because of this year and the pressures and COVID, and obviously, and some of the <laughs> some of the political, uh, you know, uh, challenges and, and back and forth, uh, on average, the for the first time in a long time, the mental health of Americans self-confessed dropped by about 11%. And uh, different demographics, depending on who you, you, you look at, different sec sectors of our population are affected differently. Uh, but as a general rule, about 11% drop in people's mental health. People are feeling more depressed, they're feeling more isolated, you know, obviously less, more lonely. The only group on the entire uh, Gallup poll that had a positive bump in their mental uh, perception, in their mental health, uh, were people who go to church every week. It's the only group. They, they were 4% healthier than anybody else, than last year, in fact, this time. So one of the things that's pretty amazing to me is that... Um, it's sort of demonstrating that the people who are committed to the meeting together of the church, coming together, being part of a community, loving the Lord together, find that it's more than just the ability to be loved and to worship the Lord together. It's actually making a significant difference to their mental health. So while the rest of the country, the average was 11% down, believers who go to church every week are 4% up. It's a 15% swing. And that's, that's not even me, that sort of preaches itself. Can I just rest my case right there? I rest my case. Be somebody who commits to church. Now, I just wanted to say, because this is the moment where we, we're doing an offering, but I just wanted to say that reality has been reflected in the finances of the church, because people eventually give to what they really value. And uh, it's called the spoken preference. People can tell you what they want, but w where they spend their money is actually what they really want. And I just wanted to say the. The generosity from the members this year has been amazing, and uh, you, you've just uh, been so faithful in your giving, and I just wanted to commend you for that. Thank you so much. It's been a brilliant year for that. Uh, let's close the year out like that. Uh, one of the things I'm particularly excited about is the amount of families that we've been able to minister to and just bless with finances, and some of the families that are going through really tough patches because of the realities of the year, we've been able to stand by them. And uh, this, uh, this Christmas season, it was such a blessing. We're going to have a, a great report and video report next week on, on just what we did with Give Joy. But I was so honored and blessed to watch our church um, reaching out into the community and just helping and blessing and giving and being generous to other people. So thank you. It's a delight to be part of that with you. As usual, we, most of us give online, but if you, if you would prefer, uh, there's, a, there's a basket there and a basket at the other door if you would like that. But uh, thank you so much for all the kindness that you've shown us in this year. I want to preach a message uh, today about the promise-keeping God. Uh, the beautiful thing is that God is a promise-keeping and promise-making God. God doesn't have to make promises, but when he does, he always keeps his promises to us. 
And that's just the way he's wired. So he loves to make promises. He loves to speak into the circumstances of our life. He, lo he loves to tell us who can't see what's coming, what is coming, and we can depend on that because not because we yet see what he promised, but because we trust the one who made the promise. And he says, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to bring you through. And so you, we're, we're staring at the circumstances and going, I'm not seeing it yet, but I don't then focus. I don't let my heart be inclined to the circumstances, but to the one who made the promise. Now, as a general rule, I'm a sucker for those uh, performance shows where somebody comes out and they're nervous and they've never been on a stage this big and they, uh, they're awed by the crowd and they're frightened and they tremble and then they, you know, the audience, you can, every now and again, they, they, they show you some audience reaction and they go, oh, this is going to be terrible, you know, like, oh, and then they open their mouth and, and magic happens. This is kryptonite for me, because I, whenever I see this, I start, I start crying. And then especially sometimes I'm in public and I'm like, oh, look over there, look, look, look over there. Because it, it just resonates at such a deep level on the inside of me. Because then they finish and the crowd all stands and applauds and the judges are on their feet and somebody hits a buzzer and the things come down. And it's just that moment and I think what resonates so deeply, why that's so universal for all of us, is because all of us have a, have a taste of that in our spirits. There's longings, there's yearnings, there's like, I know I was born to do something, and I haven't yet quite found it. That longing as yet unfulfilled is in all of us. And so that's why it resonates so deeply with us. And then, you know, what is similar is like those videos of military people coming home. You know, and then they, they show up in the family who went, and then they say, ah... A longing fulfilled is a beautiful thing. That's what Proverbs 13 says. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. <clears throat> if you keep hoping and looking and it and it's never seems to come, you get kind of a sickness in your heart. But when dreams come true at last, there's a life and joy. That's a paraphrased version in the, in the, in the King James or, the, or the, the NIV. It says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It's like this constant fruit-bearing thing that brings life and joy into your heart. Now, the Bible calls those moments when you, when you finally walk into the longing that is fulfilled, this thing that you've been dreaming about, you've been hoping for, and then suddenly it's there. It's right in your life. That's life and joy. When reality bends and melds itself together with your hopes and dreams, and suddenly you're walking into it, and you go, I can't believe, I cannot believe this is it. It's what I call the long longing, the long-awaited dream. And it's almost unbelievable, because while you were waiting for it it, it, it presented as hopeless, it was demoralizing, it was tough, it was unclear, some people laughed and mocked you for it, but you hung in there because something on the inside of you said, it's coming, it's about to come, don't give up now, if we give up, we lose, keep going, and although I haven't yet seen what God has promised, I'm still pressing in because I know the one who promised is faithful, and I know that he has the power to do what he promised, so I'm going to keep pressing because what I would like is if the promise happened and then it was completed in the next second. That would be great, but that never very seldom ever, ever happens to me. There's a promise and then there's a process, right, before there's a perfection. 
And then, so I'm in the process a lot of the time, and so I'm waiting in the process time for the promise to come, and, and we yearn. And, and I guess it's probably a good thing why, I think this is why Christmas has, has morphed into what it is in our culture, because we, we're trying to teach our kids about this long-awaited, like, like, like kids waiting for a month, you know, or two weeks for a gift, it's, it's like forever, if you remember what it was like. Um, and, you know, you've, you've picked up that gift and you've read your name on it and you've shaken it to hear what it sounds like and you've thought about the size and could this really be the gift that I've been hinting for three weeks and, you know, did they, did they hear me or what was going on? Now, there's a Bible character that the Bible talks about who experienced this and this was the, the real magic of the first Christmas. His name was Simeon. Simeon, let me, let me take you to Luke 2, and I'll read you the story, but then we'll pick it up from there. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So uh, this is the, the, the tree of life for Simeon. This is the moment Simeon had been waiting for. Somewhere in his life, when he was in a time of prayer, the Holy Spirit had promised him, you will not die, Simeon, before you, with your own eyes, see the Messiah. That, that promise had electrified Simeon. He probably bragged about it to some people. He had stood firm. I'm going to see the Messiah. The problem was that Simeon had some aches and pains in his body. He wasn't as young as he once was. He hadn't yet seen the Messiah. And I wonder, I pretty much guarantee that just like you and me, he had these whispers in his heart. Did you really hear God? I know. Are you sure that was God? Is that not just your own heart longing? You just, you just longed for that so much. You just it up and, and you just made up that God spoke to you and he, he had to wrestle through all of those issues and come to the place. No, I believe God. No, I believe God told me, but his body is getting old and he's running out of time and he knows it. And he's, one morning he wakes up and he's compelled. He has this inner yearning to go and be in the temple and he doesn't understand why because it's not a holy day and it's not the time for the services, but he walks into the courts of the temple and he's standing around just being, hanging out near the presence of God, because the presence of God in those days was limited to the temple, and he's hanging out there, and this young couple comes in, obviously poor, very young, and they are carrying a baby child, and they come up to him and say, where can we go to have our boy dedicated? And when Simeon looks down and sees Jesus, everything inside of him jumps up, and the Holy Spirit says, right there. And Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and begins to weep and laugh and shout out loud. And he makes this prophetic song. And it's recorded for us in Luke where he said, uh, uh, Now you can send me home in peace, for my eyes have seen your promise. The, the Messiah that you promised, he is the light of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And, uh, and so the, Mary and Joseph are amazed 
But he's, he's this, this guy who has had this yearning, this long thing that he's been waiting for. He rejoices and celebrates because he has now seen. He makes the song in the middle of the first Christmas, you are a promise-keeping God, and I have seen your promise with my own eyes. See, right at the beginning, right at the beginning of all mankind's history when Adam and Eve had chosen to turn in rebellion against God, when they turned away from Him, God shows up and He explains to them, listen guys, these are going to be the consequences of what happens because you turned away from Me, because you've allowed sin to enter your heart. Adam, this is what's, uh, Eve, this is what it's going to be like. This guy who used to love you and pour out his life is now going to be a, a horrible brute who's going to want to control you. And Adam, this woman who used to just serve you and do everything, now she's I don't want to try and manipulate you. And, and, and it's a sad, sad day. And then the God turns around to the serpent, and then he rebukes the serpent, and he makes a promise. He said, one of their a seed, a, a child of these two people, is going to come up and is going to crush your head. And this is the amazing promise, Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head. You're going to strike at his heel. Now, since that time, that first of promises, there were, there were many, many thousands of promises that God began to speak over thousands of years. He would grab some prophet, and he'd, and he'd, he'd prophesy about this coming, this the Messiah, this King, this Deliverer, who would come to Israel and be a light for the Gentiles. And all the prophecies that, uh, that began to stack up, and people began, the people of God, anybody who had eyes to see or ears to hear would begin to just go, well, where is he? then, there was this built-in longing for the King of Glory. People began to yearn and wait and hope in expectation. He must be coming sometime. And Simeon was one of the best of those. So you had these people, and, and so many of the prophecies that Jesus walked into, he had no control over. Who, who his family line, he was going to be born of the family of David. He, 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 the city he was going to be born in, he was going to be born in Bethlehem. The gifts that the, the, the people were going to bring him, the, that he was going to go down to Egypt because Herod was going to chase him, but there was, would be a great mourning because of Herod killing the children. There were so many details about who he was, what he was going to do, where he was going to be born, all prophesied. God has not held back. And friends, I want to say this to you. In your life, God will not hold back from whispering to you about his dream for your life. If you listen, he'll speak to you. All of the promises of God now revealed in an eight-day-old child. This is God with a skin on. This is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. Because this is the promise-keeping God. And if you take nothing out of this moment, I, I hope that you walk away from the service knowing that every promise God ever made is, is kept for you. Every promise that you dare to believe, you'll see man manifest in your life. Jesus' coming speaks to us today about a promise-keeping God who never forgets and will always work his dream for your life. So let me turn this message around and focus it on you. See, you are God's focus, and his plans include you. When God started mankind, long before the first man or woman was created. God already had his dream of salvation. God already had appointed Jesus to be the, the Savior that would take away all the sins of the whole world. 
long before you were ever born, long before you ever had a, t- a chance to mess up, long before you ever turned in rebellion to God, long before you ever showed a weakness, Jesus was already given, already designated to be the one who would wash you clean. And so the, the question is not, do you need to perform better? Can you turn your life around? The question is, do you believe in the promise of God? Because the promise that God made is, I will send a Messiah to you, and he will do perfectly in my sight, and he will achieve for you salvation so that anybody who believes in him will not perish. Christmas is not a call for you to do better. Christmas is an invitation for you to come and believe in the one that the Father promised. It's good news, right? To anybody who believes... God speaks promises. And from the moment you believe the promise that he speaks, he enrolls you in a process, in a journey of faith and grace. The God who so perfectly kept his Jesus promises is also going to keep the promises he made you. In this season and at this time, we're going to believe that Jesus is keeping his promises to us. Now, they may take a little while, Let me ask you, what promises have you heard? What promises has he made you? Because Corinthians says, no matter how many promises God has ever made, no matter how many promises God ever made, whether whether the promise was to the whole world or the promise was just to you, no matter how many promises God has made, they all became yes to you when you believed in Jesus. Jesus is the key to unlock the treasure of God. Jesus is the one in whom every promise becomes a yes. And so by you, by me, the amen, the so be it, the yes, Lord, I agree with this, must be spoken. There are some people sitting in this place, and the, and, the, and the brutality of the year and the pressures of the season have caused the promises of God to be put on the back shelf, have caused a sense of diminishment in your heart. But I want this service and this moment to be a time where you once again bring them to the forefront, dust off the promises of God, grab a firm hold of them and say, Lord, I believe. I believe. And that mix of his promise and your faith will make it so. In closing, there may be some people in this meeting and you've never really made right with God. You've never really come and said, Lord, I need a savior. I I believe in you, Jesus. I need your help. And if that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few minutes. And if you join me in that prayer, you'll discover a brand new life starts for you. Because I'll make an introduction to you to this One Jesus Christ. This one who was the promise of God. This one that all of heaven got so excited about that angel choirs burst out into a a group of very surprised shepherds in in an evening outside a little town called Bethlehem. Suddenly the choirs of angels, hundreds of millions of angels in joyful assembly. Not in rows, they were in party gear. Hundred million angels partying and shouting and singing joy to the world. Your Lord has come. I want to introduce you to this Jesus, the promise of the Father. This Jesus that all of heaven, all of heaven in great anticipation when Jesus came celebrated. If you don't know the Lord, but you'd like to know him today, pray this prayer with me. 
Let's pray coming up now. Lord, I just want to come to you and I'm asking you to receive me. Forgive me. I haven't done right. So I'm asking, Lord, that you would completely wash me clean. Forgive me. Remove my sin from me. Give me a fresh start. Help me be born again. Lord, I come to you. I'm calling on you. I believe in you. Help me and change me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, you can come see Tom. We've got a Bible and some courses and some things. We'd love to give you that. It'll really help you on your journey, and I think that'll be a blessing to you. For the rest of you, I want to say I hope that the rest of this year is full of the manifested smile and favor of God to you and your family. I pray that this, the end of this year would be so marked by His glory in your life, so marked by His sense of presence and peace that you'd never forget 2020. And when people asked you in days to come, what was 2020 like? The, the, first thing on your, the first word out of your mouth would not be COVID, but would be what Jesus did for you. So that's my blessing to you. The Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine on you. The Lord lift up the smile of His face upon you and give you peace. A very Merry Christmas to you all. We're looking forward to next week. It's the last service of the year. It's the one we celebrate the goodness of the Lord. We just bring a whole bunch, hundreds of testimonies just together to say, Lord, how kind you've been. Don't miss that 